Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast uh, with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan. I'm on the uh, ministry team now with Pastor Christian for about 11 years. About 11. So about yeah. 11 years. About and 11 here. About 11, 11 here, in yes. total, doing ministry together since Thanksgiving of 1998. Long time. We have some people in the room who... Mason, were you born in 1998? Bailey, were you born in 1998? No, she's in sixth grade. Yeah, so, we, <laughs> so, we've, so we've been doing ministry longer than the people who are producing the podcast today yeah. have, have been alive. Was a little bit. born then, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we won't tell Michelle's that. old like we are. She just, <laughs> she just looks young. Yes, that's yes. Uh, this Sunday's message uh, was titled Compassionate Generosity. We're still part of the... The series, the kingdom. We're in yep. Matthew fourteen, right? We've been, we've been really teaching verse by verse. I think people yep. have really enjoyed that uh, through the book of Matthew, like message two hundred eighty-seven. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I want to welcome you to those who are listening to the podcast today. As always, it's really a good idea to get a chance to listen to the message first, so that you can track. Um, I'm sure questions spark as you uh, are listening, and we'll do our best at times to go deeper, at times to apply what we've learned. So uh, people tune in all the time to the Pac- uh, Activate podcast, trying to grow in their faith. This week was Kids Camp. We were talking a little bit yeah. about that uh, before we got started. Uh, our version of Vacation Bible School, yep. God really worked in the lives of kids, hundreds and hundreds of kids. Why, why is pouring into kids so important? Well, one, Jesus commanded it. Uh, so, I mean, first and foremost, Jesus very specifically commanded his disciples who thought he was too busy for kids to acknowledge children, to bring children to him. Uh, he actually said adults who would have anything in their life that would stand in the way between him and children, uh, you know, kind of kind of old school mafia style, should have a millstone hung around their neck and like thrown into the sea, like, you know, throw put some cement blocks around yeah. them and throw them under the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, like a pretty radical thought of, not only do children need to know who Jesus is, but we have to do anything and everything in our power to remove obstacles from that happening. Uh, so we have an incredible kids team. We have an incredible group of kids volunteers. Uh, and, and it's really easy when you tell kids who Jesus is. On, on Wednesday this week, uh, one of our phenomenal, um, what I would call kids evangelists. She's one of our kids volunteers, yeah. but Natalie Osborne has a way to tell kids about the gospel of Jesus that is as simple and sincere as anything that I've ever heard in my life. And kids respond. And as we talked about kids who responded to the gospel, it's like, if you're a little kid, and that is true, like who wouldn't respond? Like if you're a little kid, and Jesus said it's childlike faith that gets you into the kingdom. It's like if this Jesus guy and this Jesus thing and these Jesus promises are true, of course I want him in my life. So next generation ministry is really, really important for us because Jesus commanded it. We believe it's one of the ways to serve our families. We know that one of the ways we can minister best to moms and dads is to help their kids love and follow Jesus. Uh, because uh, oftentimes, if somebody will live with the fruit of the Spirit, which was today's message, they talked about the fruit of the Spirit that comes out. If, if you have teenagers that are living with the fruit of the Spirit, they're a little easier to parent sometimes than teenagers who are not. So if we can help kids walk with Jesus, we believe we can build strong families, which will lead to strong marriages, and we believe that uh, build strong communities, which is what we want to live in as we pray, like Jesus said, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's only when Jesus lives in the hearts and lives of individuals, families, 
and pockets of communities that that kingdom life begins to happen. Yeah, as I saw people who don't go to our church bringing their families in, their kids in, I just began to pray, Lord, help us to so impact their kids that they'll reel their parents in for life change. Yeah, not only that, but so our, our kids camp is free. We don't charge anything to be a part of it. We believe one of the ways we can serve busy, stressed out, tired parents in our community is, is just to take care of their kids for 15 hours or so in a week. And we think one of the ways that, that we can begin to share Jesus with families is just saying, hey, we know you're worn out. We know it's summer. We know you work. We know, know you need some time off. We know, we know you need time to run to the grocery store. Let us keep your kids. We'll take care of them. We'll love them. Um, we'll help them realize what it looks like to become a citizen that you will be proud of in the world. And a lot of times the kids fall in love with church and tell mom and dad, like, you gotta, you got to come back and see this. Um, so just by serving a family and loving children, oftentimes we get an opportunity to introduce mom and dad to Jesus as well. Like you, um, my kids aren't in VBS anymore. My right. youngest was actually uh, serving uh, yep. this year, and it was awesome to see her helping out with the first graders, and she just had a blast. She couldn't wait to be here. Uh, last week, the first kingdom profile was John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. This week was the disciples, those yep. f- close followers of Jesus. And these were not the who's who, right? The people who Jesus selected to follow him. They certainly wouldn't be who we would think that he would pick. Uh, in kind of a short summary, who who were these people? Who were the disciples? So that's a, that's a good question. It could be, I mean, it, and it could be twelve different podcasts. Yeah. To be honest with yeah. you, um, but a lot of them were were young. All of them were young Jewish men. The vast majority of them not married. Uh, John, who was one of the twelve, who wrote the Gospel of John, first, second, third John, the Book of Revelation. Many people think may have been thirteen or fourteen. Uh, Jesus literally had a youth group that may have had a few college-age kids in it of these Jewish young men who were looking for the kingdom of God and the Messiah. And when they were told that he had, that he had arrived, they were willing to drop everything in their life uh, on the hope that he was who God had promised would come to save the world and they would get to be a part of being impacted by him and then serving with him. We know in, in the greater group of disciples that there were probably a hundred or more that followed him, maybe all day, every day. We only really learned two of their name, Matthias in Acts chapter 2, and, and Joseph, who is also called Justice. We find out they were there every day, all day, with the twelve. Um, but these twelve apostles were picked to be Jesus' representatives on earth of who he was, what he taught, what he was offering, and the kingdom that he would usher in. Uh, and we see a little bit of profile of these who are following with Jesus who learn to see through the eyes of Jesus, meaning we see that people need help, um, but they hadn't yet learned to care with the hands of Jesus. Yeah. And that's a little bit of what today's message is about, not just having com- compassion, not just seeing that someone has a need, but then going a step beyond that and in generosity doing something to meet that need. Yeah, it's it's worth a study. I've I've looked at resources that, about the disciples, who they were, how they're unique. John MacArthur has the best book yeah. called Twelve Ordinary Men. If you just want to read a small profile of the twelve disciples so you can be literate on it, the best book on the twelve disciples, Twelve Ordinary Men by Pastor John MacArthur. Yeah, that's a great that's the resource that I read yep. years ago. You you talked you referenced this, you talk about gospel compassion. Yeah. Um, seeing, feeling, and doing something about the need that is apparent to all. As we have 
planned and helped Journey grow as a church? What what mechanisms do we want people to receive and receive this type of uh, compassion? Where What are the mechanisms we have here at Journey that you can talk to the people about where they can receive that kind of gospel compassion? Yeah, so we talked about levels of compassion, right? We just defined the Greek word for compassion, which literally is the word bowels or guts. Uh, it's, it's the picture of... Um, right as you tip over a roller coaster and you see the hill, like as you're going up the big roller coaster, tick, 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 and you begin to go over. And before you drop, your eyes drop and you feel it in your stomach. That's the biblical word of compassion. Mm. You see something that moves you internally. Uh, we get the word visceral from it, a visceral reaction. Literally, if you look up the word visceral, um, one of the definitions of visceral, visceral is not intellectual, meaning you don't even think about it. Mm. You just react. Um, visceral fat is the most dangerous type of fat because it wraps around your bowel organs and it squeezes them off so it results in all kinds of disease in your body. So this visceral reaction, Jesus had a visceral reaction to hurt in the world, which means it moved him. Um, it, it moved him so deeply that he felt what other people felt. We also looked at worthless compassion. Disciples had worthless compassion. Everyone's hungry. Hope someone does something about it. No. James says that's worthless compassion. When you see that someone has a need and you're like, sure, hope someone does something about it, that's worthless compassion. You feel it, but you don't meet it. So then you have this gospel compassion that we researched from the book of Hebrews that said Jesus saw what we were going through, stepped into our shoes and did something about it. So gospel compassion is I, I don't just see a need and feel it. I do something about it. For us, probably the way we do that most deeply at our church, three levels, um, maybe four. One would be our spiritual care team. If we see spiritual hurt, uh, we have a mechanism to respond with spiritual care. At the end of every service, at the front of um, our auditorium area, we've got our prayer room for extended spiritual care on Sunday morning. And then, and then all of our small groups and our pastoral counseling ministry throughout the week. So we provide a level of spiritual care. I think the next level of seeing um, and meeting needs would be our care groups on Monday night, mm -hmm. which would be more, more like group classes, meeting needs, divorce care, grief care, um, celebrate recovery, mm -hmm. financial um, peace. Yeah. Financial peace university. We see that people are having struggles. We know because we can feel that it's, it's, it's hurting their life, their quality of life. So we step in and we do something um, about it. I think our third area would be our JCI Impact Center, mm. uh, which sees physical needs in the community, food, clothes, uh, bedding, resources, um, and trying to do something about that. And then I think our fourth area is our global missions ministry and just what we're able to do uh, for people around the world who live in villages that don't have clean water, who don't have great education, who don't have great access to church, who don't have great access to health care, and moving in. So I, I think we've got four areas where we have trained our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, and our hands to move. Uh, and that is, that is gospel compassion. And I think you throw on top of all those, we realize that the world is lost and broken because of sin. And every week, because we see that and feel that, we offer people an opportunity to meet Jesus, who is the hope of the world. He came and walked in our shoes so that we could have his spiritual life and one day be with him for eternity. And I think the equipping of our church, the reason you give a message like this, is you hope everyone in our church is doing this with doing the people something. around them. Yeah. Right? We yeah. hope this inspires people to yeah. have gospel compassion. For sure. It isn't, well, those few people do that. 
Right. Kind of like the disciples thought. Yeah. Maybe someone will They're take hungry. care of this. They're hungry. Yeah. They, somebody needs to feed them. Yeah. And, and you and I know over the years, we've had to try to continue to help people to understand it isn't just you and I as the shepherders to right. do this. Like, right. you can do this. You can you can give right. compassion and care and shepherding right. to a neighbor, to a friend, right. uh, to someone down the row in church. Uh, we hope we have an army of people doing this in our midst. That'd be our goal. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be our goal. So, Reflection questions, we often will refer to these. Tuesday's reflection question, the key verse was Matthew fourteen twenty. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The key reflection was the people of Matthew 14 received one meal, but the disciples of Matthew 14 received yeah. a lifetime of faith. Yeah. When have you generously served for a day or a week giving to others, but your faith was impacted for long afterwards? I know you gave the example at Easter about the soccer ball and how that impacted you greatly. Yeah, Spent time on good. mission field. Probably almost, probably almost any time that I've been on the mission field. Uh, my first cross-cultural mission trip, I think, was when I was in junior high. Eighth grade going into my ninth grade year. Growing up in southern Ohio, we took a trip to Nuevo Laredo, Texas, right on the border. Like a 26-hour bus ride from southern Ohio down through San Antonio. We stayed in Laredo, which is on the American side, and then we worked at a church in Nuevo Laredo, New Laredo, um, on the Mexican side. It's the first time in my life I think I saw real poverty. Um, It was also one of the first times in my life I saw how much hope that just Jesus, his church, and his people can give to a world that has nothing. All right, we talked several weeks back. We talked about how a lot of times we look around in American Christianity and we think, man, these people have so much, it appears that Jesus offers so little. But when you go to Mexico, when you go to Guatemala, these people have so little, like Jesus offers so much. I think it was one of the first times I realized how all-encompassing the ministry and the message of Jesus was. And that was one of the, that was one of the first times my heart really was set on, like, I got to help people. Um, I just thought everyone had what I had, and what I had was enough. And then you look around, and it's like, no, not everyone has that. I got I to gotta help people. Um, so that was a four-day four day trip to Nueva, Nueva Laredo, Texas, um, that impacted me deeply, and I think probably is a part of my call to ministry still today. Yeah, I'm, I'm often impacted by the Good Samaritan story. Mm-hmm. How many times do we see someone in need, yeah. and sometimes I'm available yeah. to help, and recently I got an opportunity to give a guy a ride somewhere, and man, I just, I so enjoyed our conversation. What a yep. broken guy. Yep. Um, it just renewed my spirit of, man, there is a whole lot of hurting people around us who need help, and I've been praying for him. His name is Taylor, and uh, he just shared with me this whole little eight, about eight-minute car ride about how much he knew God was trying to pull him back, but he struggles. He's got a lot of challenges and demons, so to speak, in his life that are pulling him down, but it just reminded me, like, hey, this little bit of compassion giving this guy a ride. Maybe not the safest thing in the world, uh, but what a uh, what an opportunity to help. Um, and it just reminds me of these little bits. And, and so every once in a while, I lift up a little prayer for Taylor. And I told him, he we drove by the church, and he said, that place looks pretty nice. I don't know if I'd be welcome there. Mm. And I said, man, I can't tell you, we would rejoice. I said, you yeah. would make my day if you walked yeah. in the door. Yeah. I said, he kind of had some lawn mowing clothes on because he had just gotten a fight with his brother and stormed out. That's how I saw this interaction and decided to see if he needed help. And he thought, oh, I'm too dirty. You wouldn't want me here. I said, I don't care how you come in. Yeah. We would have love and compassion for you. I hope you'll come. So 
I'll introduce you the day that he shows up. Please I've been, do. I've yeah. been praying that Taylor would walk in the door. Uh, in your lessons in generosity, um, that section in the message, uh, you share Matthew 14, uh, 16 through 21. Jesus replied, they do not need uh, to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered um, uh, after that. And then you also say this. You, you said, it appears the disciples weren't as much stingy as they were broke. <laughs> I thought, right. yeah, there are times where you'd like to be a little more generous. And you unpack that a little bit, and then you share this. This is the generosity lesson that I thought was really good in the message. Our resources in the hands of Jesus, really no matter what the level, right. will do the work of Jesus in the world and unleash the generosity in Jesus in our lives. So why is it important? Even, even if it's small to start, yeah. why is that important that people begin to release generosity in their lives? So I love what, so Wayne Cordero uh, is a pastor and author in Hawaii, mm -hmm. uh, internationally renowned. Incre I love his books. I was just with one of our team members and told him you need to you need to read. I saw you this reading book. one the other yeah. day when we were Phen yeah, yeah phenomenal traveling. Um, and he says when it comes to next steps in Christianity, start small but start now. Start small but start now. Start that's like he's saying. Start small, start now. Um, God has made us to give, right? We quote mm -hmm. Jesus saying it's more blessed to give than receive. Uh, and any of us who have ever been with people we love at Christmas, we are always more excited to watch someone open a gift from our heart than we are to open a gift from someone else. Like, it is more blessed to give than receive. Um, and, and it was interesting. When you do the biblical math, right, 12 disciples combined um, were broke. Five loaves and two fish between them. But they're like, Jesus, everything we have is yours. It's not much. Actually, what we have won't do anything for anyone until we give it to you. And then you'll figure out how to make it enough. And, and when you look at biblical giving from the Old Testament, when Abraham gave his first offering of 10% to Melchizedek, uh, the high priest and the king of Salem, Jerusalem, uh, and later when Jacob worshipped and gave 10% to God when he returned to Bethel. And you look at the, the system of worship set up, just everyone doing a little bit in, in the hands of God was always enough. Uh, and it was God basically saying, you know, this, this standard of a tithe that we call a tenth is God is like, listen, a, a tenth from any one person really can't do much for anybody. But everybody's tenth in the hands of God is enough to change the world. And the disciples together, together, had five loaves and two fish until they gave it to Jesus. And then they each had a whole basket of fish and loaves. So like they went from combined 12 guys, five fish, uh, five loaves of bread, two fish, to at the end, each guy, a basket full of bread and fish. It was like somehow we didn't have much, but we invested what Jesus needed in his hands and like we've we've got we've got more back than we gave. I don't even know how it works. You and I have story after story after story mm -hmm. about how when we gave our best, which wasn't um, which never was enough to do what was totally needed, but it was always what we were being asked to be faithful with, where God somehow in some way, sometimes financially, sometimes in other ways, mm -hmm. like just returned that to us. We're like we we showed up with pocket change and we went home carried a basket of stuff. It's yeah. like how does this even work? It's just the ministry of Jesus. 
Uh, and it's funny that one of the things that builds our faith is financial generosity. Mm-hmm. So anyone who says, I want more faith, I'd say, that's really easy. Start giving. Yeah. But it will take faith. And we ended our message with the generosity ladder next to the trust ladder. And I ask everyone to hang it up in their house and to look at the words on the ladder and to see how they felt as you see giving one time to giving consistently, to giving a percentage, to giving a tithe, to giving above a tithe. Just look at those words. How does your spirit feel when you read those words? And what level of trust is required to build your faith? Um, one of the greatest ways to build faith is, is financial generosity because it demands trust. It does. And, unless you have so much extra, it doesn't even matter. And there, I don't know a lot of people with so much extra that they don't miss anything. So I love the heart. I, I don't think the heart of the disciples was stingy. I don't think they were thinking, we only got f- five and two, and we were planning to eat those. I think they were thinking, we're, we can't help because we're broke, yeah. not because we're stingy. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'll take what, what your broke selves can give, and I'll do something special with it. And I think if in our brokenness, uh, and in our brokenness financially, we'll just begin to be generous a little bit at a time, begin to grow in our generosity, we'll see our faith begin to grow as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great lesson of faith. Of course, our church has a core belief. We believe we cannot outgive God, and He right. has proven that over and over it's again. He's been very it's faithful. Been yeah. faithful, and it does. And, you know, we've talked over the years about steps of faith from the beginning, getting yeah. saved as a 20-some-year-old, doing pretty well, making decent money, going, oh, man, okay, Lord, and then just little bits at a time until you, right. I realize, wait, I can, trust, I can trust God with this. Right. He has taken care of us. And then you begin to see which we like to highlight, we begin to see God work. You begin to see, wow, look at all the lives changed. Right. With, and I got to be a part of that. Right. And let's face it, I don't think we, any of us want to miss out on being a part of what God's doing. Right. Fourth, um, discipleship track, leadership track, our closing question every time. What from the message would you want someone to take and then pass on to someone else? Oh, two things. Worthless compassion doesn't do anything for anyone. Hmm. Uh, we can't, like, like we saw, saw at the beginning of the message, um, Jesus was hurting, and he saw hurting people and did something about it. The disciples were hungry, and they saw hungry people and didn't do anything about it. we got to have the Jesus compassion. So uh, we need, as Jesus followers, when you see it and you feel it, do something. Even if it's not enough, do something. Uh, do the little that you can do. Um, our brokenness in the hands of Jesus usually is enough. Do something. I think the second thing would be the generosity ladder and the trust ladder. What level of generosity are you at right now? What does that say your trust is based in? And what would it take? What level of trust would it take to move to the next level of generosity? Because God doesn't want your money, but he does want all your trust. So can you get to the point like Jesus, uh, the generosity ladder, in scripture is in the shape of a cross. It is wooden um, and it stands up, but it's not something you climb. It's something you're nailed to. Um, And Jesus trust in God's promises. That's the ultimate level of trust and generosity. Jesus trust in God's promises says, I I give it all. I give it all because I trust what God will do with that uh, in the mission of God. And he not only gave Jesus his life back, he allowed him to become the first fruits of all who would fall asleep and raise into eternal life. So he cashed it all in and got more back than he could ever imagine um, on his generosity ladder in the shape of a cross, a wooden beam, not that you climb, um, but that was stood up and, and a man was on 
um, so that we could climb closer to Jesus in our faith walk. It's interesting. We started the podcast talking about the faith of kids and sharing the gospel. Yep. This week, we got to see the generosity of kids, kids bringing in their money because they knew we were going to give it to Guatemala, the, the village transformation yep. in, in Las Cedras, all the kids bringing in a box of food. Yep. Uh, uh, I just got a message from Sherry Hennig overseas, our local impact, 1,200 pounds of food they brought oh in. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, which will help and impact yeah. uh, And listen, this is true generosity. Yeah. Um, like the money the kids gave. One, we know it's their mom and dad's. And we're sorry for those kids who stole from their mom and yeah. dad's. But it went for a good cause. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but like those kids, will ne- they'll ne- for the most part, they'll never receive anything back from that. And the food, that 1,200 pounds of food... The kids will never receive it's, but it's not about that. It's yeah. about building faith and allowing our faith to connect to the work of God in the world. So I'm glad you told me that. I was wondering if you could have Sherry send me even a bigger list of what they brought and how that impacted yeah. uh, our impact center and how that impacted our community. The faith of children changing the world. Yeah. Guatemala and Kansas City. Yeah, week. I will. And it's it's interesting because oftentimes it is the kids' money. And they give it all. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. way more. They're like, and then they go steal. I got fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they, yeah, then they go get more. But yeah, yeah. they they literally like. I want to give it all to her. Yeah. So, great generosity from kids. Pastor Christian, thank you. It's been a great week. Thanks for your message this weekend. Uh, thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. If you're here in person, we'd love for you to come and be a part of one of our services on Sunday morning, eight thirty or ten thirty here in Lee Summit. If you have a question, if we can do anything for you, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.